हरे कृष्णा वी आर सो फॉर्चुनेट टू हैव हिज ग्रेस सर्वद्रिक प्रभु फ्रॉम मायापुर एंड प्रभु जी विलस ऑन श्रीमद भागवतम वन पॉइंट ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम चुरोतम देवी सरस्वती व्यास तथोजयुदीरयत नष्ट प्रयेश बद्रेशु निगवत सेवया भगवतीम श्लोके भक्तिर्भवती नैष्टी कृष्णे स्वादमोपगते धाम ज्ञादाधिबी सह कलो नष्टुराणुको धुनोदिता शिशुक उवाच इतुक्ते यमदूतस्ते वासुदेवोक्तकारिणा तन प्रत्युचु प्रहस्येदम मेघ निर्हादय गिरा Excuse me. Shri Shukla Uvacha, Shri Shukla Dev Goswami said, "Yeti das ukte being addressed, Yamututai by the messengers of Yamaraj, te de Vasudev ukta karina, who are always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudev, being personal associates of Lord Vishnu, who have obtained the liberation of Salokya. Tan unto them, Pratyuchu replied." Prahasya, smiling, idam, this mega nirradaya, resounding like a rumbling cloud, gira, with voices. Translation, Shukadeva Goswami continued, being thus addressed by the messengers of Yamaraj, his servants of Vasudev smiled and spoke the following words in voices as deep as the sound of rumbling clouds. Report by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada ki jai. The Yamadutas were supply, surprised to see that the Vishnu Dutas, although polite, were hindering the rule of Yamaraj. Similarly, the Vishnu Dutas were also surprised that the Yamadutas, although claiming to be servants of Yamaraj, the supreme judge of religious principles, were unaware of the principles of religious action. Thus, the Vishnu Dutas smiled. The Vishnu Dutas smiled, thinking, "What is this nonsense they are speaking? If they are actually servants of Yamaraj." They should know that Ajamil is not a suitable candidate for them to carry off. Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Iti Namine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shanyavadi Paschachade Shadarine He Guru Gyanada Dina Bandho Swananda Data Kurunai Kasindo बृंदावनासीनहिताधारिधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाधाध
Monday Nanta Adbuteshayam Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhum Nichopi Yat Prasadat Sad Bhakti Shastra Pavartaka Nityananda Maham Nomi Sarvananda Karam Param Harinama Padam Devam Mavaduta Shiromanim Krishnaya Vasadevaya Devakinandanaya Chananda Gopakumaraya Govindaya Namonama Vindaya Tulsidi Bhai Priyaya Keshavasicha Krishna Bhakti Pradidevi Satyavataya Namonama Vansha Kopatu Bishakripa Sindhu Bhivachapati Tanam Pavinibyo Vaishnavibyo Namonamaha When we read these leelas, we should bring our mind to what's happening and visualize that Ajamil is lying in bed on his deathbed. Vishnadutas have come, their beautiful form that was described in the previous verse. What is that? With garlands of lotuses, wearing very attractive helmets, earrings, fresh and youthful, bows, arrows, swords, clubs, conch shells, discs, lotus flowers, dressed in yellow silken garments, beautiful countenance. Bring our mind that they're standing there. And Yamadutas have also come. Yamadutas are not pretty. They're very ugly, terrifying to see. And this is not someone's imagination. This is reality. I have a friend whose wife used to work in a uh, hospice facility. Hospice, as you may know, is a facility where people go to leave their body. They have a, a, a week or two weeks or three weeks to live, and they go there, and the hospice makes them as comfortable as possible while they undergo the process of dying. Now, because people are very sinful, especially in America, uh, they're visited by Yamaraj. And even Yamaraj's dogs, they come sniffing to see where is this sinful person. And these persons, because they're in a different realm of reality, are seeing them, and they're terrified. There's even a technical term for it in the nursing profession. It's called terminal restlessness. In other words, at the terminal stage of life, people become very restless. They thrash in their bed, they shout, they cry. They, they shout, who are you? Get out of here. Leave me alone. No, no, no. They experience this. This isn't just some mythological exposition in the pages of an ancient book. Rather, this is directly the experience of sinful persons. The Yamadutas come. They're very terrifying with wrinkled faces and hair and ropes and chains. and Very terrifying to see. So they're thinking it's a bad dream. <laughs> but it's not a bad dream. It's a real deal. So they're standing there. Vishnudutas are standing there. And the Yamadutas have just asked the Vishnudutas, who are you? Who do you think you are, basically? What is your authority to stop our business? This man is sinful. He's been judged sinful. Our duty, according to Yamaraj, as servants of Yamaraj, were Yamadutas, servants of Yamaraj, our business is to take sinful people. Who do you think you are? So Vishnudutas are replying here. Vasudevuktakarina. They're, they're saying, we are servants of Lord Vishnu. And we're very surprised that you don't know the principles of religion. They don't know that the Jamil, as Srila Prabhupada writes here, is not a suitable candidate for them to carry off. So Prabhupada writes in another purport, I think, a couple of purports back, that 
the representative of one's guru or the representative of, of our ISKCON society, when we go out to preach, we should understand Shastra. Otherwise, we may become embarrassed. Where we start preaching and someone asks a question and we may give the wrong answer. Or we may not be aware of current events. There's a f funny story about His Holiness uh, Radhanath Maharaj. In his brahmachari days, he had an extensive college preaching. He had a van and he traveled to colleges all over the Midwest and, and, and East. did extensive college preaching. So he was preaching in one class about the horrible effects of war and he started talking about the Vietnam War how this this conflict is going on and people are dying and napalm and bombs and suffering so he asked her question someone raised her hand and said uh, Maharaj Vietnam War was over two years ago <laughs> so this is the effect of not being in touch with uh, what's going on in the world and that's understandable He's absorbed in reading Prabhupada's books and not in newspapers, which is also a praiseworthy thing. But we should be aware of what's going on in the world, otherwise we may be embarrassed in our preaching, and we should definitely be aware of Shastra Vidhi. What does Shastra say? If we're going to preach Shastra, present Shastra, the conclusions of Shastra to the world, we should be aware of it, otherwise we'll be very embarrassed. So that's the first point. We should, we should when we read Bhagavatam, visualize uh, what is happening and then the the story the storyline comes to life another tip is many devotees uh, find themselves uh, not following the storyline because they're reading purports getting into the purports it's often helpful for devotees to read through the translations and understand the storyline and then come back and relish Srila Prabhupada's purports to give a deeper understanding so there's uh, uh, an important word here that Srila Prabhupada's mentioned. He gives class on this. Vasudev Uktakarina. Someone who is always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudev. And this is what it, it means to be a devotee. Devotee isn't a matter of tilak, dhoti, sari, choli, kurta, shika, braid. All the external manifestations, our dress style, even our diet. That doesn't make you a devotee, because even a, a murderer, a bank robber, some horrible, sinful person may don the dress of a devotee, but what is the character of his heart? The, the heart of a pure devotee is always enthusiastic to serve the Lord. He's always ready to serve the Lord. And this is what, this is, actually we can say, a definition who is always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudev. And how does that come to us? Well, that doesn't come through the air. Uh, it comes to us through Shastra. It comes to us through Sadhu. And it comes to us, of course, through Sri Guru. This is how we understand the orders of Vasudev. Because as neophyte devotees, we're not in touch with Supersoul. Some devotees are. Srila Prabhupada exhibited many times uh, omniscience because he's in touch with the super soul. Spiritual master is, is isn't omniscient like the supreme lord is omniscient that he's knowing everything. Mm. But he's as as omniscient as Lord allows him to be, giving him instructions from within the heart within his heart. So Srila Prabhupada was being interviewed one time 
in an airport, and the and the interviewer from the newspaper or television station was asking him, "Do you see God?" And Prabhupada said, "Yes." And then the reporter said, "Well, what is he doing?" Prabhupada closed his eyes. He is sitting. <laughs> and the devotee that was with him, Rameshwar Prabhu, thought that was just too outrageous a statement. He tried to present it in a little more delicate way that, you know, he's, he sees God in an allegorical way, in a metaphorical way. He sees God within everything. It's not like he sees, Prabhupada said, no, I see God. Because this is the nature of pure devotee. That he's Tattva Darshana. Tattva Darshana doesn't mean some uh, amorphous or intangible experience. And the pure devotee sees Krishna eye to eye and face to face. And this we read is the effect of taking up the process of bhakti. 11th chapter Bhagavad Gita. Bhaktiyata nanaya shakya ahambidam vidvarjuna gyatum rashtum chatatvena pravishtum cha parantapa. By bhakti, by ananya bhakti, one drashtum, he can see Krishna, gyatum, he comes to know Krishna. Krishna reveals himself to the pure devotee. The pure devotee sees Krishna directly. He can talk with Krishna. Srila Prabhupada said this also at one deity installation, I think in Los Angeles. He said after the installation ceremony, he gave a lecture and he said, this Krishna, meaning the Sri Vigraha, Sri Murti, Archa Avatar, the deity in the temple, he said, this Krishna will speak to you. So why isn't he speaking to us? He speaks to some devotees. He was having a conversation, we read in Chaitanya Charitamrita, about one Brahmin, two Brahmins, elder Brahmin, younger Brahmin, they were in Parikrama. You know the story, but to summarize, uh, there was some disagreement, and the, the younger Brahmin requested the deity, Gopal, you become my witness. So he went there to request the deity and said, we made this promise in front of you. Now, you said you become a witness, so you please come. So the deity, <laughs> the deity said to him, I can't, I'm just a deity. I can't walk. I'm just a deity. I'm just a stone statue. So the devotees are clever. He replied to the deity. He replied to Gopal. So my dear Gopal, if you can talk, you can walk. So Krishna was defeated. He had to go. And this statement is a Pratima Nahitomi Sakshad Brajendra Nandana. There's also a story in South India about one great devotee, his name Raghavendra Swami. He was an extraordinary speaker on Srimad Bhagavatam. So he would speak Srimad Bhagavatam. And when he was speaking Bhagavatam one time, the Lord's golden plate disappeared from the temple. And the Pujaris were very disturbed. They thought someone had stolen the Lord's golden plate. And when the class was over, they found that golden plate at the Srimad Bhagavatam location, that the Lord had come to take prasadam and listen to Srimad Bhagavatam, spoken by Sri Raghavendra. Uh, Raghavendra. Same thing happened several times at different Bhagavatam locations. And devotees became more and more astonished that Lord himself is coming with his prasadam, his plate of prasadam, and he is listening to Srimad Bhagavatam. There are many stories like this, where the Lord walks. Even here in Rajapur, there's a beautiful, there are many, many stories in Rajapur. One extraordinary story. The, there was a farmer in the area who was becoming very disturbed because some boys were stealing jackfruit. 
One evening, he almost caught them, but they jumped over a fence. And when he looked at the fence, he noticed that a small piece of cloth was stuck to the fence. The, the cloth that the boys were wearing had torn and left a piece hanging on the fence. So he thought, let me take this piece of cloth to the pujaris and ask them if they know anybody that dresses wearing this type of cloth. When the pujaris saw the cloth, they almost fainted because they took that cloth in the deity room where the Lord's clothes are stored and they found a piece of cloth with a hole in it exactly shaped as the piece of cloth that was found on the wire. Exactly the same shape, exactly the same material. That Krishna and Balaram were out stealing jackfruit. Krishna likes jackfruit. He's very fond of Jagannath, likes jackfruit. So they were out enjoying themselves stealing jackfruit. So Didi Pratima Nahitomi. He's not Pratima. He's not a statue. He's Sakshad Rajendra Nandana. He's directly the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he can be seen by the process of bhakti. He's not hiding from us. He's not unavailable. He's as available as we want him to be. So these devotees, these messengers of, uh, of Vas- uh, Vasudeva, of Krishna, Lord Vishnu, and Vishnu Dutas, what is their qualification? They're always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudeva. This is what it means. One of the things that it means to be a devotee, that Krishna speaks to his uh, devotees, and they're always ready to execute the, the orders. So we're not exactly on that platform. We can hope one day that Krishna will speak to us. We can hope one day that he appears in our dream or he speaks to us as a deity. He can certainly do that as he likes. So this is one of the features of, of Krishna Bhakti, that Krishna can speak to you. And he says, when we, when we say tadviti pranipatina pariprashnena seva upidakshanti te jnanam jnaninas tattva darshina tattva darshina is not some amorphous in, intangible principle tattva darshina means to be a seer of the truth who is the absolute truth? Krishna satyam param dimahi we meditate on the supreme absolute truth Lord Krishna satyam param dimahi so he can be seen by approaching Guru we see Krishna not with our eyes. This is an important understanding. We accept his instructions and we see him with our ears. He is to be seen. Bhagavatam explains that the process of seeing Krishna is performed with our ears because by hearing with our ears our heart becomes purified and we are able to enter into a relationship with him. Bhagavatam says, Pravishtakarna Randrena Swanam Bhava Suroruham Dunoti Shamalam Krishna Salilasyatashara. It's a matter of purification of heart. Pravishtakarna Randrena, that when that sound, transcendental sound Pravishta, Karna Randrena enters our karna, our ear, then the heart becomes clarified, and the heart becomes pure, it becomes a proper sitting place for the Lord. And when that happens, all the dirt that is accumulated in our heart for mil- many millions of lifetimes, because we're carrying the same cons- misconceptions of life, life after life after life within our subtle body, which means mind, intellect, and ego. All those misconceptions of life we carry with us, birth after birth. 
So one has to cleanse the heart. Heart and mind, same thing. So cleansing the heart and mind means cheto darpanamarjanam. These words emanated from the lotus mouth of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sikshastakam. And these words are not different from Veda. Dharma. Dharma is understood. Dharma, what is that? There's a nice verse in Bhagavatam. Uh, anyway, Veda Narayana, not Veda Narayana Sakshat. We're going to read this verse. I think it's coming. Veda Narayana Sakshat. Swayambhur iti shushuma. That Veda is directly manifest from the breathing of the Lord. There's no author to Veda. It was spoken by Shukadev Goswami. Bhagavatam was spoken by Shukadev, spoken and, and heard by Parikshit Maharaj. But Veda has no author. It's the breathing of the Lord. So whether it's the breathing of the Lord or the speaking of the Lord, as Krishna spoke, Bhagavad Gita, Shri Bhagavan, Uvacha, what did the Lord say? This is Bhagavad Gita. And what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speak? Only six shastakam, eight shlokas. But within those six shlok, eight shlokas, all Vedic knowledge is contained. It's in the essence of all Vedic literature. And, there, and it begins, Chaito Dharpa cleansing the heart, cleansing the mind of all types of material filth. And what is that filth? It means to identify oneself as a product of matter. Hmm. To think that this body is a bag of kapavata pitta, bile, mucus, and air. Yasyatma buddhi kunape tridhak duke. Sadi kalatradishu boma ijjade yatirta buddhi salilena karhi chitsanesha bhigeshu saeva gokara. Kunape means a bag. Our body is like a, it's a body bag. There's organs inside, and there's bones that give it structure, and there's muscles and tendons and ligaments and veins and nerves and muscles that make it all work very nicely. But it's simply a machine. It's a bag. But someone who has the mentality of a cow or a donkey thinks this body bag is me. So... This is the material conception of life, and because of having accepted the body, we become overwhelmed with lust and greed and anger, fear, envy, this whole play of the modes of material nature. The soul is by nature pure. Sattva rajas tami iti guna prakriti sambhavan ibadnanti mahabaho dehi dehinam avyayam. The soul by nature is pure. Asanga hyaya purusha. Where asanga, the soul has no association with the modes of material nature, but by the Lord's will. He says, this, this mama maya duratya, this maya, my energy, my prakriti, is very, very powerful. So we've come under the modes of nature. We think I am this body. And because of material identification, we also have to accept the, the jurisdiction and influence of the modes of material nature that dictate all types of misconceptions of life. So what is the solution to free oneself from that? Pravishtakana Ranjana. To hear Srimad Bhagavatam. And, and that hearing, when it sits in the lotus of our own heart, the lotus of our relationship with the Lord, it happens by hearing that all the inauspicious things from our heart are removed. There's a similar verse, similar instruction in the first canto of Bhagavatam. Shandratam uh, Svakata Krishna Punya Shavana Kirtana. Vidyantastoya Badrani Vidunoti Suratsatam. 
that just hearing shrindvatam, hearing what? Svakrata, my krata, hearing about Krishna, is in itself punya shravana kirtana. The hearing and chanting about Krishna is in itself, in is of itself punya. We become advanced in spiritual life just by hearing. Vridyantastu abhadrani, all the inauspicious things, abhadrani, are cleansed from our heart by hearing. You can't take a toothbrush, a bar of soap, a washing machine, you can't put yourself in the washing machine, in the shower. This, is, this will cleanse outside. But how to cleanse inside? Only by hearing. It cleanses our heart, the misconceptions of life, which are superfluous to us by the process of hearing. So Lord has very kindly made these wonderful shastras available that we can hear about him and be purified and give up bodily conception of life and be ready to execute the order of the Lord. Because this is what we're this is the whole upshot of devotional life. To be enthused to execute the orders of the Lord. And that means to be always engaged in one of the nine processes of devotional service, shavanam, kirtanam, vishnus, maranam, pahara, sevanam, archanam, bandhanam, dasyam, sakyam, atmani, vedanam. Either one, Srila Prabhupada would say, or all of them, or two or three, but to be always somehow or other engaged throughout the day in Krishna's service. To be enthusiastic, utsaha, to have enthusiasm for devotional life. And that enthusiasm is generated when we understand the result of devotional life. If we actually grasp the truth, the benefit we're, that, we're, that accrues to us by devotional life, we become very enthusiastic. But because our faith is komo, komo shraddha, our faith may be not so strong, our consciousness may not be so fixed, devotees' consciousness devotees consciousness advanced devotees he only sees Krishna and devotional service how will I get Krishna this lifetime there's an example given in Mahabharata I believe where Dona the Pandavas and the Kauravas are being trained in archery and he asks the different archers there's a target a bird target in the tree. And he asked them, what do you see? And one said, oh, I see the branch, and there's, there's a target is hanging from the branch. And he said, no, go, 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 go. And then next, asked the next one, what do you see? Oh, I see there's this target. No, 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 go. And when he asked Arjuna, what do you see? Only I see the eye of the bird. That's all I see. Completely focused on the goal. So we should also be very focused on the goal of going back home, back to Godhead. And if we understand that it is possible, entirely possible, in this lifetime, making this last, making this last, making this life our last life, is entirely possible. If we consider and take seriously the process, if we take up the process of sadhana very seriously, because sadhana, in due course of time, brings us to higher and higher realization and higher and higher feelings of ecstasy. Uh, of of uh, bharati, bhava, ultimately prema. We can, these things are available to us by this process of devotional service. We should be very convinced about that. Otherwise, 
Krishna says in ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Ashadanana Purusha Dharma Sasya Parantapa, Aprapya Mamni Vartante Mrityu Sansara Vartmani. Those who are faithless cannot achieve me. Rather, they, appear, they return to repeated birth and death in the material world. So, if we're very faithful, we're very enthusiastic, understanding what is possible by doing what we're already doing, chanting Lord's name, serving, reading, meditating, visiting the temple, serving Vaishnavas, all the things we do. If we understand what is the result and we're convinced of that result, we become very enthusiastic. So enthusiasm is a must. Otherwise we become dull, like, oh, it's, it's four o'clock again. Do I have to get up? Do I have to chant these, this japa? And this is boring. I can't focus my mind. I'm struggling with my mind. I'm struggling with my senses. Okay. That's, a fa- that's also a phase in devotional life that is to be overcome in due course of time by struggle. Because the stage of an autonivity in our life is a stage of struggle. No, no doubt. Everyone has to go through it, unless you're some uh, great soul who comes to this world having made significant spiritual progress in a previous life, then we all go through anartanivity, rooting out the anartas of our life, being the devotee, being the best devotee we can be, being Vasudevuktakarina, always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudev. This is our aim. This should be our focus. How to come to that stage where everything is for Krishna. Family life is for Krishna. Business is for Krishna. Social life is for Krishna. Everything for Krishna. And it can be. Just like as grihastas, I think most of us are grihastas on this call, we're, uh, we have social obligations. Uh, in fact, I'm going to a wedding in three days. <laughs> I was invited. They're wonderful devotees. Please come. Our daughter's getting married. I have to go. It's a social obligation. But how to go? You go dressed as a devotee with tilak, and you go and you associate with other people, and sometimes non-devotees are there also, and you treat them with respect and friendliness, and you, there are many opportunities to introduce Krishna consciousness also. Devotees here in Mayapur are very clever. They do a wedding ceremony, but they do it at Jagannath Mandir in Rajapur. So, the whole family comes, and typically, many members of the family have no connection with devotional life. But they come to Mayapur, big plus. They come to Rajapur and get darshan of Lord Jagannath, huge plus. They take Jagannath Mahaprasad, huge, huge plus. They're thinking, <laughs> it's like transcendental trickery. They're thinking, oh, I'm, just, I'm just going to the social function, I'm just going to a wedding, but they come to Mayapur, take prasadam, and have darshan of Jagannath Swami. And meet devotees. So when we go to social functions, we should go with the idea, I'm going there as a representative of ISKCON, a representative of my spiritual master, and we should say something about Krishna. Instead of just talking nonsense, we should bring the conversation that is inevitable, that inevitably happens, bring the conversation around to Krishna. I have a friend who lives in Jaipur. His wife is not very interested in spiritual life. He's a very fixed-up devotee. But she told him, if you wear your dhoti to the wedding, I'm not going. <laughs> so he couldn't wear his dhoti. But he went to the wedding with his tilak. He represented Iskan, his spiritual master, and he talked about Krishna. 
So it doesn't matter. You don't have to wear a dhoti. Dhoti isn't, won't get you into Vaikuntha, won't get you into Goloka just by wearing a dhoti. But we can be enthusiastic in Lord's service by when we go in different social circumstances and we talk about Krishna. And people will think that these people are, are so nice. They have such wonderful qualities. What, what, is, what is so different about them? Even I remember I was working, I worked in the jewelry industry for 20 years. I was working in one company. I'd been there two weeks. And one of the people, when they found out I was a vegetarian, and the guy comes up and says, I knew there was just something different about you. Because <laughs> they perceive it. The devotees are polite, they're friendly, they're upbeat, they're happy. And this is very, this is very solid preaching in itself. And if there's someone there who's a little inquisitive, there's an opportunity to say something about Bhagavad Gita, say something about our temple, say something about Mahamantra. So even a social occasion, like a wedding, which is typically uh, not very spiritually uh, so infused with spirituality, even an opportunity, it can be an opportunity to present Krishna consciousness in a very powerful way. So social life, business life, we have to make money. Grihastha Dharma means that you're obliged to make money. Three other ashrams don't have a connection with money. At least they're not supposed to. Sannyasa ashram, Banaprasta ashram, uh, Brahmacharya ashram. Who is maintaining the whole so social structure? That is all on the shoulders of Grihastha ashram. Who is building all these temples? Grihastha ashram, successful devotees who are donating money to construct temples and distribute books, distribute prasadam. All of that service comes to Grihastha ashram. How? Because we're dealing with money. Nothing wrong. We want money. We're not allergic to money. We want money because we know what to do with it. We want more money because we know what to do with it. Srila Prabhupada tells a story about one sannyasi bhikshu was going door to door, knocking on the door, bhikshu dehi, bhikshu dehi, and pious family man opens the door and gives him a nice donation. He says, thank you very much, thank you very much. The next day there's a knock on the door and it's the same man. So, well, Lord, I just gave you money yesterday, what would you do with it? Oh, I already spent every dime, every paisa for Krishna, for Lord Krishna. Would you like to give more? <laughs> so people ask us, sometimes they criticize this one. Oh, you guys are always asking for money. Yes, because we know what to do with it. What, because we're using that money and giving back to society. The money we collect should be used every single paisa, nothing misspent. No graft, no cheating, no fraud. Everything that we collect should be used, every dime should be used in Lord's service. Otherwise, someone who misuses money will get a very negative result in their next life. In fact, there's a story about one young, tender girl, young, prepubescent girl, like eight, ten years old. She started talking like a, like a full-grown man. And, and the voice was coming from this delicate little girl's mouth. Take me to Puri. What? The parents were very shocked. Take me to Puri. They were very, very shocked. They couldn't understand what had happened was that a disembodied soul, Buddha, had taken over the girl's body. So the parents, parents took her to Puri and it came out in the long run that this was a devotee who, took, who couldn't get a material body 
because he had stolen funds from the temple. It's a very sinful thing to, to accept money from the public and use that money for one's own sense gratification. Stealing from Krishna, very sinful thing to do. So everything should be for Krishna because we know what to do with money and we know how to spend it. So people may criticize, you're always asking for money, but point out to them that we have distributed 260 million books. We've built temples all over the world. We distribute free food every day. Maybe a million people every day in different ISKCON temples receive free food. We know what to do with money. There's a good example to illustrate this. Just like the sun. The sun evaporates water from the earth. And what happens to that water? It makes a cloud. And the cloud, when it becomes sufficiently saturated with water, with moisture, it rains water back down to the earth, and the sun evaporates it again. So charity is something like that. By charitable endeavor, people give money. We're extracting money as the sun extracts water from the earth. But when it becomes sufficient in quantity, we do something wonderful, and we rain that same charity back down to the public in the form of temples, form of book distribution, form of deity worship, form of prasadam distribution. We give back because these things aren't free. Maintaining a temple is not free. Books aren't free. Food isn't free. So we connect, we collect money from people, but we use that in Lord's service. So social life, we can make it Krishna conscious by represent, being the representative of the Lord in every social circumstance. We can make our business Krishna conscious by using a portion of the money that comes to us in his service. Because after all, a poor man can't eat any, a rich man can't eat any more than a poor man. In fact, he may have less digestive power due to anxiety. Because money can buy food, but it can't buy appetite. Money can buy a bed, but it can't buy sleep. It can buy clothes, but it can't buy character. It can buy many things, but it can't buy the things that are really important in life. So what do we do with money? We use money in the Lord's service. We, use, we, engage, we engage in business activities. We engage, we have a job. Whatever our occupation is, it generates money. This is Grihasta Dharma. Nothing wrong. We shouldn't think, oh, I've become fallen because I have a relationship with money. No, because we use money in Krishna's service. So our business life, our social life, one of the greatest contributions of family life to society is children. So to have children, ask any mother how difficult it is to raise children, what to speak of raising them, to bear children. Nine months pregnancy is not fun. A man can't understand. Ask any woman what it is to, for, to bear a child and to deliver the child. Birth is not fun for the mother not for, or for the child. It's very painful. And it's very difficult for 20 years you're, you're teaching and maintaining food and clothing, dental care, medical care, soccer games, shelter, love, instruction. So, many, so much energy goes into raising one child. It's not like in the animal life when a cow is born, the little baby cow is on its feet and eating in a matter of hours, eating and running here and there. Human being is completely helpless. For twenty years, for at least five years, ten years, they're helpless, and they require the, the instruction and love and care and protection of parents. And this is dharma. One time, when Mataji 
was feeling very distressed. She told me, I used to do puja, I used to dress the deities, I used to cook for the deities, I used to go on Sankirtan, now I don't have any service. I said, Mataji, you have two beautiful children. This is your service. This is the most important service you can do. It's the most honorable service you can do to train children to be great devotees, to give them your experience as far as possible of Krishna consciousness. And they'll always remember you for that. They'll, you're liberated by your own children. Dhruva's mother went back to Godhead. Why? Because of Dhruva. So this is a great contribution to society to, to bring a son or daughter into the world and train them in Krishna consciousness because every pure devotee has a mother and father. What do you think happened to Prabhupada's, did Prabhupada's father go back to Godhead? Of course. Prabhupada's mother? Of course. They all went back to Godhead because they produced they, they served this great devotee, brought him into the world and raised him and served him. So when we bring children into the world and serve them, bring them to Krishna consciousness, this sanctifies the whole process of, of, of Garbhadana sanskar, of delivery, all the different sanskars, raising children, training them, sending them to school, all the different trouble we take, which is a lot. All the trouble we take raising children if that's an offering to Krishna by training them in Krishna consciousness, it is as good, maybe better, than standing and offering RT or going on book distribution or going on Harinam Sankirtan. Because it's everything is for Krishna. Yat Kuroshi, Yadashnasi, Yashtahosi Dadasi, Yat Yatabasasi Kuntaya, Madkurishwa, Madarpanam. Madarpanam, we offer everything to Krishna. So all circumstances in life, social, Business, financial, children, everything can be offered to Krishna. And that in that way, Grihastha Ashram is as good, Prabhupada says this in several places, is as good as sannyas. Because what is sannyas? Uh, Lord says, first verse, sixth chapter, Bhagavad Gita. Anashutya karma phalam karyam karma karochija sa sannyasi cha yogi cha nanya he says that he defines what is sannyas. Sannyas does not mean someone who carries a danda, who ties their dhoti in a particular way, and wears a particular color of cloth. That is not sannyas. Krishna defines what is sannyas. He says first, anashatya karma phalam. First, first uh, characteristic of sannyas life means anashatya karma. You don't take shelter of the fruits of your labor, which in contemporary parlance, means paycheck. People think, I've got money. All my problems are solved. I've got money. Great. Money cannot solve your problems. In fact, some of the richest people in the world are the most anxiety-ridden creatures on the planet because they have money, because they're never satisfied. They asked Howard Hughes one time. They said, Mr. Hughes, you can buy anything you want. You can buy your own state, your own island, your own country. You have so much money. What is it you want in life? He said, more money. How <laughs> is he happy? Kama rupena kuntea dushparena analena cha lust burns like fire and is never satisfied. So, we can use everything for Krishna. Whatever we get, yet kuroshi, madarpanam, we offer everything to Krishna. And we're satisfied in life. So this is very powerful preaching because grihasta ashram is the best way to present Krishna consciousness. 
if someone comes to our temple, and they, oh, this is, and they have a very nice experience, prasadam, kirtan, devotees, reading Prabhupada's books, and they say, okay, I really like your movement, but, but show me a practical example of Krishna consciousness. What will we show them? Brahmacharyashram. They're not interested. The masses of people simply are not interested in a life of renunciation. Sannyasashram, Brahmacharyashram. They want happiness, prosperity, peace of mind, family life. And we show this in our Grihastha Ashram. We show this in Grihastha Ashram, not Brahmacharyashram. They're a fortunate class of devotees who take to a life of renunciation, chagis. We, we offer our respects to them because they're very fortunate. Someone who's actually a renunciate, not someone who's a pretender, but someone who's actually detached from this world. Because, frankly speaking, brahmacharis are born, not made. If someone's, because many times brahmacharis become, or remain brahmacharis because of social pressure. But if someone's actually renounced from this world, sannyasi, brahmachari, we offer, this is the standard. We, we respect that. We bow down. We serve them. But a grihasta is no less. An ashritya karma for them. He doesn't take shelter of the fruits of his labor. Second thing, karyam karma kurochija. But that doesn't mean he's irresponsible. He doesn't do anything. He performs his karma. He performs his karyam, karyam karma. Karyam karma means obligatory work. He performs his obligatory work for the satisfaction of the Lord. And Lord says, Sasanyasi, to yogi chan, that person is a sannyasi and a yogi who doesn't take shelter of the fruits of his labor, yet performs his duty as he's obliged by his own karma. Sasanyasi, yogi chan, na na chakriya, that person who lights no fire and performs no work. First verse, sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, very important verse. People think that if I have no relationship with fire, in other words, I have no home. Because we have to life means we have a relationship with fire. We cook. We have a kitchen. We cook. Or we perform yagya. Swaha, swaha, swaha. We have a relationship with fire. And, and we have activity. So to cease activity and to not have a home doesn't make you a sannyasi. A sannyasi is someone who gives everything to Krishna. He, he sanctifies his existence by offering everything to Krishna. He's enthusiastic to serve Krishna. Vasudev, Bhukta, Karina. Always ready to execute the orders of the Lord in many different ways. In many different ways. By in family life, offering puja, taking care of children, going to work, babysitting, all the different things devotees do. Temple activities, uh, worshipping the deity, cooking in the kitchen, balancing the books, going out on Harinam, going out on book distribution, cleaning the temple. Srila Prabhupada said one time, that if a pujari is offering a flower to Krishna and he places that flower on the lotus feet of the Lord and an insect on the flower kisses the feet of Krishna, he's as good as the pujari. Another time he said that the person who's wiping the floor, who's sweeping the floor, mopping the floor, he's as good as the pujari. Same benefit. It's not that, oh, he's the Pajari, he's a Brahmin, he's second initiated, he's a great devotee, I'm just, I'm only first initiated, I don't get to worship the deity. No. Whoever is serving Krishna, heart and soul, always eager, Vasudevokta always ready to execute the orders of Lord Vasudev, in any capacity, gets the benefit. Krishna sees them equally. Prabhupada said something 
amazing. One time he said that Krishna loves the little calf as much as he loves Shimati Radharani. This calf is also his expansion. It's part and parcel of Krishna, and Krishna loves the calf also. He loves the, the sweeper, the pujari, the book distributor. He loves everyone. So we have to fix our mind on this and be inspired by the examples we see in Srimad Bhagavatam. So the, the servants of Yamaraj, they're also serving, but the problem is they're not very educated. They should know better because they're servants of a great Mahajan. Yamaraj is one of the Mahajans. But they've come, and in ignorance, they're thinking, this person is sinful, I'll, we'll take him. Yes, sorry guy, you're coming with us. But the Vishnu Dutas say no. And they are smiling. <laughs> and this, he speaks on this verse. And he said, when someone challenges us, we will just smile. So the, the, Yama, the Vishnu Dutas, when the Yama Dutas are saying, well, wait a minute, who are you? Who are you? They're challenging. Who are you to challenge us? And the Vishnu Dutas are responding. Don't you, why don't you know? Why don't you know why we're here? Because Ajamil chanted the holy name. Because he chanted the holy name. There are many beautiful verses that come in this ch- this chapter and the uh, following chapters. Ajnana atavajnana uttama shloka namayat sankirti tamagam pumso tehedato yatanila. That when one chants the holy name in ignorance or in knowledge, it destroys the results of millions of lifetimes of sin exactly as a fire burns through a field of dry grass, reducing it to ashes. So chanting the holy name reduces all of our sinful activities for millions of lifetimes to ashes. So what's left to do? This is important. Krishna says in the seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Yesha mantagatam papam chananam punya karmanam te dvandamoha nirmukta bhajanti mam jyadavataha that if one is not free from sinful life, then he can't be fixed in devotional life. Yes, this is a, uh, it should be very easily understood by anyone. You can't just go on sinful life and expect to become Krishna conscious. You have to give it up. So th- this is qualification. You give up this, this attachment to sinful life, to sense gratification. And then make progress in spiritual life. So, any um, discussion or comments on these points so far? Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Dhanavad Pranam, thank you so much for this wonderful class. Um, I have one question Prabhuji, uh, you were explaining about the sannyasis. Uh, to uh, their attire in brahmacharis also so there are some brahmacharis they wear yellowish uh, saffron color some um, brahmacharis they wear dark orange and same like that sannyasi so is there any code color code for that or uh, like dark and light shade so or is it just uh, whatever they get they wear well, I, in answer to that, I've noted one thing, that Srila Prabhupada would not be happy 
with the bright orange, heavy-duty fluorescent orange saffron, uh, not even saffron, it's not saffron, fluorescent orange color that some brahmacharis are wearing. This is Mayavadi orange. Prabhupada wore saffron color, a beautiful light orange color. Look at every picture. Prabhupada never wore this color orange. And we should follow his footsteps. We want to know what to do, see what Prabhupada did. So, that's controversial probably. Some brahmacharis may not like me saying that, but I'm saying it because it's true. You look at the Mayavadis, they, they were this heavy-duty fluorescent orange color. Prabhupada wore and every sannyasi during Prabhupada's time wore this color, this beautiful saffron color, not fluorescent orange, heavy-duty orange color. Yellow color, I, I don't know the history of that. The young devotees here in Mayapur wear that, and I see that in some of our temples in Delhi also. And it's, it's good for them, because when they first come, they are just trying it out. They shave their head, they move in the ashram, they accept this yellow cloth, and they graduate to white cloth, white, white, uh, Safedwala brahmachari, they're wearing white cloth, they're brahmacharis. But when they're, when they're sufficiently fixed in their vows and have determined that they don't want to marry in their life, then they accept the saffron cloth. And they, in this way, it's, it's positive because it's, it gives them a sense of accomplishment. They, they graduate. There's a ceremony. They graduate and they put on saffron. They feel like I've accomplished something. When I joined ISKCON in 1973, you know, you shaved your head and you put on saffron. Bus. There's no training. It's a much better system to have some training where the devotee feels like they've made progress and they've achieved something. They've graduated from one stage to another based on their renunciation and their commitment. But this uh, fluorescent orange color is not acceptable. This is a Mayavad color of, of saffron, of orange color that the Mayavadis wear. Just compare the, look at Prabhupada's pictures. Thumb through, I mean, there's a whole, actually you can download almost 20,000 pictures of Srila Prabhupada. And you'll never see Prabhupada wearing this fluorescent orange color or Bhaktisiddhanta, Sarasati Thakur also. They used to use rock dye. And Prabhupada uses, used this writ dye. The, dye the, the method is not important, but the color is important. We have a sampradaya, we have a tradition. And Mahajano Yenagata Sapanta, you want to know what to do, follow the Mahajans, follow Prabhupada, do what Prabhupada did. Why, why change it? Prabhupada criticizes for having changed disease, that we want to change everything. Nothing needs to be changed, just do what Prabhupada did. Easy, easy thing. But devotees don't, and they may not be amenable to uh, discussion on this point, but I'll say it. It needs to be said. This is not acceptable to wear this Mayavad colored orange. Does that answer your question, Mataji? Yes, Prabhuji. Yeah. yeah I, you explained very nicely about the Brahmacharis. They graduated and then they get all saffron color. So it makes sense, Prabhuji. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Yep. Hare Krishna. Any other point of discussion? Any other question? Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Manmohan, Guru Maharaj. So, Prabhuji, in connection to what Mataji asked, so the light color orange is recommended, which Shri Prabhupada wore, not the fluorescent orange. 
No, we should do what Prabhupada did. Light orange. This is, you look in any Mayavad group and see what they're wearing, and you compare that to any picture of Srila Prabhupada. Always this beautiful light-colored saffron. Light. Not 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 heavy-duty orange, like dark orange color. Dark orange is the Mayavad color. Just take note. Next, I mean, you'll in due course of time, you're on on Facebook, on WhatsApp, or what, what is it? Facebook? No, YouTube. YouTube. You see these Maya bodies. They're they're preaching on what do they wear? They wear heavy duty orange color. They're not wearing beautiful light colored saffron like Srila Prabhupada wore, and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur also. This is our this is our Gaudiya tradition. Beautiful saffron color, not Maya body orange. But devotees don't know. Maybe no one ever told them, but this is a fact, irrefutable fact. Just do what Prabhupada did. It doesn't make <laughs> it doesn't make you a better brahmacharya. The darker your orange isn't, isn't an indication of your commitment to brahmacharya. <laughs> it's an it's a, it's an indication of your tendency to speculate. That's what it is. Yes, Sabuji, some of the brahmacharis wear, but maybe they're not aware of this. And they're thinking like any shade of orange will work, you know. So that is also there sometimes. Uh, yeah, some of the very senior, uh, you know, preachers in India, they're wearing like dark orange, like bright orange. Yeah, Prabhuji. And Prabhuji, I think the example you gave of the, you know, collecting funds just like the the sun is, you know, evaporating the water, taking the water clouds and again showering it to different places. So that's why devotees, and you stress so much on the fact that, uh, you know, the devotees are the most intelligent and they know how to uh, use the Lakshmi, you know, the service of Krishna. And also you said that, uh, you know, like one should not take anything from the temple, no article, no nothing, because then, you know, there could be severe punishment, uh, you know. So that is really a nice point and uh, the example that you gave. Yeah, this is contrary to Dharma. Grihastha Dharma means that we should be giving to the temple. If they give you something out of love, the Dati Pradigranati, that's different. You know, if the temple gets, you know, 15 cases of tomatoes donated and they're going to go bad and they start handing out tomatoes to the Grihastha families, please take. That's different. But if you go to the temple and you take one tomato and you stick it in your bag, this is theft. This is stealing from Krishna. You have no right. We should always be giving to the temple. And if you take something that's not given to you, and, and, and buy it from the temple. Give some donation for the, from the te- for the temple. It's not Grihastha Dharma to be taking from the temple. We should be giving, always giving to the temple. Uh, yes, Prabhuji. Like in connection to this, I have one question, um, you know, which I thought, I don't know if I can ask, but uh, like, you know, our temple, we had a lot of, in Orlando, we had a, like a lot of... Uh, uh, some particular dals, you know, lentils were a lot. So the temple authority told us that why don't you uh, take the dal because you will get spoiled. And our temple is not like a new built temple. So, you know, we, sometimes bugs and all come. It's an older building, smaller house where the temple is run. So then uh, they said whatever the price is or, you know, you, you can pay and take. So then I was a little hesitant thinking that somebody gave donation but then I thought the temple is saying, and that in the in the process, temple will collect some uh, 
Lakshmi threw me because I'll go and buy an Indian store and give money there. It's better I buy from here, you know, take two packets of dal, use it. So that is okay, right? If the temple uh, tells us. Of course, because the temple is a beneficiary. Krishna is a beneficiary. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But if, you, if, you just, if you just grab it, you see a big pile of sacks of dollars. Think, oh, they'll never miss one. What's the big deal? This is, this is theft. Don't steal from Krishna. Krishna yes. gives us everything. Yes, yes. Krishna should always be the beneficiary. Yeah, one thought came to me that if someone is donating something, uh, you know, then they have, even if there are like 10 packets of dal and there's another one that gets adds on, like say moong dal or some other dal, uh, you know, and then somebody has come, uh, you know, given with some bhav, whoever, X, Y, Z person. So, uh, is it also okay? Now, my question is, is it okay for the temple authority? I mean, they can use it. Why give it to, uh, you know, the grahasthas and tell them to pay money? Because they can use it uh, somehow or the other. Uh, but, uh, yeah, of course, temple is the authority. But what I meant to say is, like, uh, does it affect our karma if we buy that dal because somebody is given? It doesn't affect no. what the temple allows. No, the temple president is Lord's representative. He's representative guru, God and guru. So okay. Ideally, I mean, he's acting in such a way that the temple is benefited. If he puts some money in his pocket, then he's a sinner. <laughs> yes. So the temple should be the beneficiary, that's all. Yes, the temple president is the this thing. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm glad uh, this, you know, you mentioned something in your class that I was able to ask this question. So in future, you know, like sometimes people give only one particular donation and the temple authority is like asking others, uh, please take it and give donation and, you know, uh, so that way uh, they, they, it doesn't get spoiled, so to say. Now summers are coming, so... We have to be all the more careful like that. So well, here's one, here's one tip as far as rice and dal and getting bugs. There's something called diatomaceous earth. If you mix the rice and dal, if you mix, mix diatomaceous earth with rice or with dal, the bugs cannot stay there, and any bugs that are living there will die. And you can store it for years together. What is it? I didn't understand. What is that product, Prabhuji? It's called diatomaceous earth. It's diatom is a tiny, one-celled creature that lives in water in seawater. Hmm. So there's there's deposits of this, and if you mix this with the, with the rice or with the dal, you can store it forever. I I was using rice that was ten years old when I was in uh, Prabhupada village. You simply wash it. It's like it's this. It looks just like dirt. Not it's white colored chalk. It's like, a, actually it's like chalk. It's a kind of chalk actually. Hmm. Originally chalk was made with this diatomaceous earth. So you mix it and then as when you're ready to use it, you measure it out and you simply rinse all the uh, earth away from this, uh, the rice or the dal. And it'll never get bugs and, and whatever bugs are there will be finished. Yes, Prabhuji. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I can uh, uh, tell the temple authority to, you know. I don't know whether we will get it in USA here? They can get it from uh, eBay, uh, not eBay, Am well, eBay too. Am I got mine from Amazon. It's cheap also. Got a big okay. bag for like three, four hundred rupees, like five kgs. Okay, so it's available really? in India and in USA, both the places. 
It's 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 used a lot in uh, gardening also. People use it for gardening and for storing grains. The insects can't attack it because they it dehydrates the body of the tiny little insects. It dehydrates and the anyway you can read about it. Diatom D I A T O M diatom E O U S something diatomaceous. I'm not sure how you spell it. But if you do, if you just type in diatom, the rest will come up on a on an eBay or uh, Amazon site. You can read about it there. D i a t o m. D i a t o m. Diatom. Diatom is a single-celled creature that lives in salt water, and they have a very hard shell. It's also pure. People people also uh, mix it with water and drink it because it's supposed to have some beneficial effect on your colon. <coughs> you can learn, just Google it and you'll learn all about it. Yes, sir. Yeah, I noted that. Thank you so much for mentioning this. Always this uh, so this can only go in the rice and lentil, not in uh, like uh, uh, in the grain, like atta, like. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> you never get, you never separate it out of atta. You can't wash it out of atta. Yeah, yeah. So this goes in that only where you can have to wash and use. Okay. Yeah, you can use it in in beans and rice, dal. Yeah. It'll it'll work best in small in small grains, small tour dal, masur dal. Of course, we don't take masur dal, tur dal, ahar dal, mung dal, all these different dals. Thank you so much, Prabhuji. And today's class was very, very nice because uh, you know you explained so much. Uh, we learned about uh, so many other aspects because it's such a small little reading was there, and we have of course been studying about ajamil and uh, you know like. Uh, and I really like one more thing that you mentioned about the hospital thing, that how, uh, you know, like uh, uh, you were, I don't know, you were saying something about uh, hospice and... Uh, There's a term, hospice is where people go to die. Yeah, yeah. And in medic, when someone trains to be a nurse or a doctor also, they're hmm. introduced to this principle called terminal restlessness which means the, the dying patient becomes extremely restless at the, the last stages of their life, the last hours of their life, because Yamadutas are coming, and they become restless. They become very disturbed. And they're, 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 they prescribe a particular treatment, for it, which typically means in, uh, giving, uh, um, introducing morphine into a saline drip. They put a saline drip to maintain their body fluids, they give that. They add this morphine, which is a drug that makes them dull as stone, and it helps. I mean, it actually immobilizes them. The Yamadutas aren't going anywhere; they're still there. But from the point of view of the attending physician or nurse, they appear to be happier because they're not thrashing in their bed and they're not shouting. You can look that up on the online also. Terminal restlessness. You read about it. all those people who are going through terminal restlessness is because you know it's time for them to go and the, and they're actually seeing the Yamadutas 
Yes. Because of that. So this is not, uh, this, this doesn't happen with devotees who are practicing, uh, but devotees, I mean, when, practice 16 rounds, regulating principles. It doesn't happen with when, them. One devotee tells a story, I read it. He tells a story that he saw Yamadutas. He survived, but he saw them. He didn't discuss why he saw them, but he mentioned he saw them. They came, they're going to take him, but he survived. He, uh, so he didn't elaborate why he was saying Yama, he must have been doing something sinful to get a visit from the Yamadutas. So they can come in devotees' life too if we are not following uh, the path of bhakti seriously and what Srila Prabhupada has given us. Well, Yamadotas mean they're representatives of Yamaraj. They escort a person to Yamalok to appear before Yamaraj for judgment. So a person who has spent a significant portion of his life in devotional service may also be judged by Yamaraj. But it's not that he's going to go to hell and, and suffer the hellish torments that are described in Bhagavatam. But it's, it's no joke, you know, it's not that, oh, I'm a devotee, I'm chanting, you know. Well, what kind of devotee are you? And we can we can fool each other, but we can, you can't fool Yamaraj, or fool Yamadutas. Because Yamaraj has one servant, his name is Chitragupta. Chitragupta is noting down everything we do. And who is the witness? Supersoul is witness, the sun is witness, moon is witness, the sound is witness, air is witness. Everything we do is witness. Krishna says in Gita, Upadashtana Manchachar Bhokta Bharta Maheshwara Paramat Meti Chapyukdo Yehismin Purushapura. There's another in, there's another soul. The supreme soul is in our heart. And Bharta Bhokta Maheshwara, he's supreme controller. He's he's uh, sanctioning our activities, he's the master. He's witnessing everything. You can we can't hide. We can hide from each other, but you can't hide from Krishna. So we should be we should live our life that Krishna is always watching. Feel like your guru is, whatever you're doing, your guru is with you. We may not have so much experience with Krishna as a person due to our neophyte nature, but we have experience of guru. So always feel like your guru is with you in the room. He's watching everything you do. And then you'll think, oh, well, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Or maybe I should be, I should be doing that. So we should have that consciousness and we'll always be, always be fixed in spiritual life. Knowing there's a witness. You can't hide it. We can't hide. Krishna is within every atom. What to speak of within our heart. So if we're conscious of that, then we'll always be fixed in Krishna consciousness. Prabhuji, you mentioned that the Guru and Krishna keep... Yeah, I understand that. But why are the witnesses, other uh, uh, witnesses also there, like sun, the moon? Because they are also kind of... Uh, do we need so many witnesses? Because they are also reporting to Krishna? Or why so many witnesses are there? Uh, Krishna is busy in Goloka dancing with gopis. <laughs> <laughs> He's dancing with gopis, playing with coward boys. Being fondled by Mother Yashoda, spoiled by Mother Yashoda. He's very busy in Goloka. So he has his representatives. Yes. 
Someone can ask, why are there devatas? Vayu, Agni, Varuna, why are there demigods? Krishna is Supreme Lord. He controls everything. So he has his deputed representatives. Thank you, Prabhuji. Prabhuji, one question I was asking uh, yesterday, and uh, Prabhuji was not able to answer about the demigods and sub-demigods. So demigods and what sub-demigods, what is that category? Sub-demigods, just like in any organization, like in ISKCON, there's GBC, there's executive committee, there's this committee, there's, there's half a dozen committees. They're not all the same. They have the same purpose, but they have different levels of authority. So Shastra tells us there's 33 million demigods. So they're not all of the same authority of Lord Shiva or Lord Brahma or Varuna, Ganesh. They all, these are the these are the, the the GBC. These are Krishna's GBC, who <laughs> have the, have the most authority. So there's there's a demigod that's in charge of the blink of an eye, digestion of food, uh, circulation of blood. Nerves. It's not impersonal. Everything's the energy is working by by the direction of personalities. There's a personality of wind, Vayu. There's a personality of fire, Agni. There's a personality of water, Varuna. So there there's personalities between behind all the the working of material nature. It's not working automatically as material science would have us believe. They say everything is just matter. I mean, is a mosquito just some chemicals? Some chemicals that want to bite you and suck your blood? Chemicals that suck blood. Does it make sense? There's personality behind that mosquito. There's a soul who took the birth as a mosquito, and he wants to suck your blood. It's not some chemicals flying through the air looking for something to eat. It's this insane proposition. So the whole creation is working under the direction of Krishna. He's the boss, but he has his representatives also. Yes, Prabhuji, thank you so much. You have so much vast knowledge, and we are very fortunate to have you on the call. So thank you for answering all the questions, and uh, also your classes. We all really look forward. Hare Krishna. Okay, thank you all. Vancha kalpatu bhishtha kripa sindhu bheva chapatitanam pavine bhyo vaishnami bhyo namonama. Srila Prabhupada ki jai grantaraj shimad bhagavatam ki jai nitai gor nitai nitai gor. Sarvatik Prabhuji ki jai. Thank you for all. Thank you Prabhuji. Thank you so much. Thank you Prabhuji.